Hello everyone, welcome to already the 8th edition of the B2B Influencer Marketing Chat Series. My name is Mariska Kestelo and today the topic of today is actually influencers and brands. What are we allowed to do and what not? It is, this is not just a, I would say, a simple I would say it is a simple question, but not a simple answer to give. And therefore, I'm very delighted to have Rupa Shah. She's the owner of Hashtag Ad Consulting. And together with her, we will dive further in this very important topic, which is often forgotten, actually, not only by the influencers, but sometimes also by the, by the brands. And Rupa Shah is actually an authority in the industry, and she's an expert in compliance or in the field of compliance. Rupa, thank you very much for joining um, our show. Great, uh, great to have you in, in the, I would say, in these challenging times. Would you like to share some background information before we go further with the questions? Thanks, Mariska. Hi, yes, I'm Rupa Shah. I am founder and director of Hashtag Ad Consulting. That's a London consulting firm. Um, and I, the fir- I established the firm a couple of years ago after working for the Advertising Standards Authority or the ASA um, mm-hmm. in London for around about 13 years. So my experience is very much in the regulatory side of advertising. Mm-hmm. Initially, all types of advertising. Um, you know, I was looking at magazine out of uh, out of outdoor advertising all sorts of posters um, and so my career through the ASA involved investigations um, compliance work everything the whole remit um, but as it got to sort of 2014 2015 we started mm-hmm. to see more influencer advertising influencer marketing and the complaints started to come in um, and it became you know more than just as a, a sort of a minor topic you, mm-hmm. you know everyone within the industry the, the whole advertising industry realized that now, this is an area area that needed some guidance. Um, I was uh, involved in um, assisting with drafting some guidance, but gradually realised that actually there was an opportunity here to provide this guidance directly to the industry. So mm-hmm. I founded Hashtag Ad Consulting, um, and now I provide sort of training documents, workshops when we're not in lockdown, um, <laughs> and yeah, various methods of online e-courses, that type of thing, to guide the industry, brands, advertisers, agencies, everybody on what they need to do to comply with the rules for influencer marketing. Um, because, you know, it's, it's all about education and, and making people realise that firstly that there are rules um and you know why they might apply to your scenarios what you can do with them that type of thing yeah yeah well thank you so much for the for the good introduction because i i actually forgot to mention the topic because today it's all about brands and influences what they can do and what they are allowed to do i don't think it's um i think that a lot of people are so much unaware that there are i would say rules and regulations for influencers um, we work, of course, in a B2B environment, but what we see in a B2C environment, we think it's still, I would say, a bit of the wild west. Now there are not much, uh, not much regulations. Influencers can do anything, I would say, almost anything that they that they want. Um, but um, if we talk about the B2B environment, for example, I'm a company. I am. Um, um, we work in the meetings and events world, so. For example, I am I am a hotel, and I would like to start. Uh, I would like to start a B two B influencer marketing campaign. Um, what are actually the um, because this topic is quite I would say unknown um, unknown area for, for lots of people. So, what are actually the first steps? Um, for example, if I want to start working with influencers, 
before I get in touch with the influencers, what are things that I need to be aware of um, or what I, what I can do or why I can I find more information about this, about this topic? Sure. So um, as a brand, you know, you hold responsibility for yeah, understanding and complying with the rules, but equally so does the influencer. So it's very important that as a brand, you play some part in educating your influencers, because if they make a mistake um, and it's very easily done, that will reflect upon your brand uh, yeah. and the regulators across the globe will hold the brand responsible um, course, yeah. as well as the influencer. So it's very important to understand what the, the rules are for the jurisdictions which you are in. Generally, across the globe, there are there are some similarities because um, what we've seen is there are some issues such as disclosure, which are the same across the globe. And, and when I talk about disclosure, I mean making clear that this is marketing. Yeah. Um, and it's really important because this is a basic rule um, in practically every every code, um, every jurisdiction, that an ad should look like an ad. It's it's simple. Um, yeah. But it's important that consumers, whether this is B2B or B2C, everybody understands that what they're seeing is not organic, natural content from an influencer, no. that there is some kind of commercial relationship there. So that's, I mean, the first thing to realise, and it's, it's quite almost a common sense rule, how yeah. to apply this from as, at the starting point is, you know, how can I make clear that whether this is an employee who is endorsing my product, or this is a thought leader, yeah. that I potentially have found mm -hmm. a commercial way of encouraging them to, to send yeah. this message. So disclosure is the key thing, and to understand that you, you should still, be, you should be disclosing. Yeah. Um, and there are some nuances and, you know, depending on how that influencer chooses to spread the message for you or whether you're telling them we would like you to write a blog or, you know, so there, there may be different ways of mm -hmm. disclosing. But ultimately, that's the, the very first step, I would say. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So and is there, for example, um, is there also, if I say, a sort of a platform internationally where I can say, OK, where I can find um, where I can find more information, any, I would say, any sources. OK, you mentioned already the ASA, um, but of course, um, this association is in every country, of course, is 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 different. Of course, I suppose the hotels know, if especially have the PR department, but of course, there are also a lot of small companies. Um, especially in the meetings and events industry, where they, where they perhaps don't have, I would say, an entire uh, an entire PR department or um, or perhaps an entire social media department. So, so are there also say um, information or um, associations where we can address and say, okay, where we can find the latest rules and regulations um, uh, and also concerning disclosure about this topic. Yeah, so I mean, the regulatory, most across Europe, mostly we have self-regulatory authorities, just like the ASA in, yeah. in England, um, in, in the UK. Um, you will have, for example, the ARPP in France. Um, and I mean, as I said, generally the rules are similar, but this is the first point of call if yeah. you want some uh, guidance as a brand. Um, there should be guidance documents. It's not necessarily that you need to speak to an investigator directly, there will oh, be no. guidance documents mm -hmm. online um, directly related to influencer marketing, and that's important. Um, but also what you want to be aware of is that the rules for conferencing, market, um, uh, marketing events, that type of thing, there will also be rules for each sector. So yes, look at influencer marketing, look up you know, what you should be doing for influencer marketing, but also be aware that there might be some specific scenarios for this industry that mm -hmm. you need to think about because there are I mean we see certain claims that you'll see repeated the number one we are the best we're the best selling that type of thing to look out for so it all 
and it's very easy for influencers to to make these errors because they're passionate about a product or a, a company um, and they want to do their best and market product but they might bring in these types of claims um, without being yeah. asked to do so um, but yeah I think it's yeah or, or look to your self-regulatory authority there's likely to be one for your country Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but also for example my organization my um, consultancy hashtag ad I do blog and I give advice on the rules across the globe okay, there is um, EASA the European Advertising Standards Alliance mm -hmm. and they occasionally put out information um, mostly it's to their own members but actually they are um, engaging with the industry more at conferences and events um, so if yeah, you know, if you're a brand or a, a hotel group, for example, it's worth attending the influencer marketing events to get a, an idea of what the, the regulations are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, it's really interesting what you said that you don't need also to look towards um, the meetings and events, um, but also towards the industry. So if you, for example, organize a pharmaceutical event, you need to apply, I would say, I would say two laws, if I say it in, or perhaps say it in a more simple, simple way. So it's good that you're saying because um, I don't think everyone is is aware of of that. Uh, I mean, at least um, from my perspective, I don't think everyone is aware about that. That you, of course, you if you organize a meeting and event and you have an influencer um, who's coming from the meetings and events industry, but yeah, you're promoting perhaps a pharmaceutical conference, then you also have to apply those. Um, those rules and regulations yeah. so, so that's interesting and okay from influencer perspective of course we assume that they are aware um but yeah as we work in a b2b environment we don't work with i would say the typical influencers like in a b2c environment like you said already we work uh, it could be employees it could be thought leaders um could also be mm -hmm. uh, independent people so it's quite it's much more diverse um and sometimes even have also different jobs at um at the site so they might not know also i would say it, perhaps it might not be their daily daily job so what are for them actually the the steps um and so we say are those the same sources of information like you mentioned and asa I think it's actually almost easier for influencers whether it's b2b or b2c to get this information i feel like a lot okay. of the information that's put out by the authorities is very much directed at influencers oh, okay, um okay. so it's what might be difficult if you're b2b is to be able to cross apply because much of the guidance especially here in the uk is very much aimed at b2c mm -hmm. um because a lot of the rulings and the mistakes are picked up on um, and we see those ASA rulings. There's, for example, the reality TV stars and the, the celebrities. Yeah. That's what's coming out. So there's, there's a ton of guidance. But for B2B, um, the rule that we know, very similar rules apply. Um, the differences that you often see are is in the editorial control. So mm -hmm. quite often with B2B, there is less of the you know, we are telling you exactly what to do and we want five posts a week on your Instagram. It's, it's a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, and it may just be simply a case of sending a product and hoping for the best yeah. at the very least, or, you know, maybe a little direction. How would you like to contribute to this blog or that type of thing? So um, the dynamic and the instructions are different, but ultimately there is, a, what you have to remember is there is that commercial relationship, which means that the rules are going to kick in. And there are rules and yeah. um, so the first of them 
very much in terms of finding out about how do I disclose, should I be disclosing, how, where do I put that this is an ad? Um, yeah. And I know this is, it's a really uncomfortable conversation actually in the B2B space. I, I, and I can see it and I, um, and I understand there are many objections from brands um, yeah. who feel that it's not the same as B2C and why do we need to apply the same rules? Um, but yeah, I mean, and I've, I've, I've engaged with the regulators to try and find a little bit more and, you know, find out if there are exemptions for the, uh -huh. the B2B space, but at least here in the UK, not really. I think, you know, if everybody wants to feel like they understand when they are being advertised to, whether that's in a business context course, or yeah. whether that's in a personal, I'm purchasing something uh -huh. for myself. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's the the advantage you want of a clarity you want a clarity as a consumer if this is really um is it someone who get paid uh, i would say someone who get paid to to write uh, to write that post despite that it's someone with expertise or coming somewhere and uh, from the industry and he gets paid of course that it's still a bit dif it, perhaps the content feels a little bit um a little bit different so yeah, I think it's like what you said, clarity is needed. You also want to know if that person is is right that post from, even if it's from an, I would say, from an expertise point of view, you want to know if um, if there's a co say, commercial belonging um, belonging somewhere. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it feels very natural. Like you said, it's common sense. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it is common sense. But I mean, I get presented with scenarios where it's really difficult because, for example, that might have been sent, you might have sent somebody a laptop, for example, six mm -hmm. months ago. Yeah. But it's it's featured in the background and they're talking about something else. So the question is, do they still need to continue to disclose? They were sent that six months ago, that type of thing. So there will always be hundreds of scenarios, mm -hmm. um, B2B or B2C, um, where it's not as clear cut, understandably. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where it's important for the regulators and, you know, everybody involved in the industry to seek out extra information and to provide yeah. clarity on, on the rules. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, and can you, um, yeah, because um, also something, because we work um, today, we're all connected online. We are in very special, I would say, we are in very special times. Eh? And we work also now much more easily, perhaps some people across borders. So, for example, if I'm a company and I want to work with influencers, for example, I'm a German-based uh, company and I work with influencers um, from, from Helsinki. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the message goes uh, across across borders. I mean, online, we don't have any borders. Um, are there also specific, I would say, for the, from the company point of view, but also from the influencer point of view, are there any specific, I would say, um, yeah, information that we need that we need to know because um i assume that the rules are perhaps in germany i know they're quite strict yes they so, are yeah. so yeah, <laughs> germans <laughs> but also from scandinavia um so it might be um so i think it's also important to know from an from an influencer's perspective but also from a company's perspective what what do you have anything experience yeah, with that i think it's a it's a good question actually to ask about when you know there are cross-border audiences and where people are based it's something that i know the regulators get asked a lot mm -hmm. um it's it's really about in terms of who the audience is less so of where the brand or the influencer are based um mm -hmm. So, for example, if the influencer is in the UK, the brand is in America, mm -hmm. um, if that influencer has an audience in 
France. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. They are promoting the products, and you can, and potentially they are using French as the language, or there is some way that they are promoting a product that can be purchased in France. Then technically, you will be invoking the French rules. The French rules for influencer marketing will apply yeah. because um, you could be misleading French citizens. So, what you need to think about is. Who are you marketing to? Who will see this message? Okay. Who can act upon it? Who could actually purchase this product or make a decision? Okay. Where are they based? Because those rules may apply. Um, and it's a really important thing to note because I think you could be assuming as an influencer, you know, most of my audience is in the UK, but actually, you know, you might have mentioned that you can buy this product in dollars and you've got a a couple of hundred people in America, it's possible that the FTC in America, if they don't like the way you're marketing, if you're breaking their rules, they could take action. And they have done in the past against UK influencers. So yes, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's worth really looking into the, who you're marketing to and who can see your message. Yeah, of course, because, yeah, like I said, we work in the meetings and events industry. We, we are very used to work very international, especially for promote destination. It's often and um, they want to have influences from from different destinations, for example, um, like I mentioned, from Germany towards um, and towards Finland. Um, so, yeah, so it's very important then to know um, even if that person is based in Germany, but perhaps the majority of the audience might be coming from from the Netherlands. So then it's, um, so you really need to focus on that. So is that also something um, that, um, because if we're talking also about contracting, um, do you think that um, also um, this information should be added um, in, a, in a contract? Um, because um, that there are no, I would say, no misunderstandings as well from the brand, as well from the influencer that they have, that also the influencer can discuss this item because I think a lot of um, influencers from both sides are not discussing this topic during negotiations. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I agree actually that the fact that you mentioned contract is important because there's not always a contract. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, a good idea to have one. Um, yeah. And certainly, I mean, if, even if you don't at the very minimum as a brand, yeah. be advising uh, that influencer that, you know, it's not just enough to say, follow the rules. What are those rules? Which are, you know, which body should they be looking to? In a contract, you could include links to the the regulations that are mm -hmm. applicable. Yeah. Um, and going beyond that, actually stating very clearly our expectations are that you do use uh, in the UK hashtag ads or webung or whatever the the disclosure clause mm -hmm. for your country is. Yeah. Uh, and we want it. Uh, we expect to see it prominently at the front of start of every post. Um, yeah. It's almost becoming standard where contracts are used, at least in the UK. Um, big agencies and the big brands are including this information now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it across the board. But I think the struggle is that not everyone is using a contract and they feel your brands yeah. sometimes feel these are informal relationships. Um, and it might just be a, an email here and there, and there may not be something, you know, in full in full detail. But yeah. yes, yeah, it's certainly advisable. The FTC have, in their own judgments and rulings over in America, have made it very clear they expect this information to be put into contracts. So oh, okay. um, I think yeah. we can follow their lead, uh, whichever, whichever jurisdiction you're in. Okay. Well, I think it's very well, very good that we have this also this conversation. So to make to create that awareness because. Like I said at the beginning, it's been a, been a bit of a wild west in the B2C, mm -hmm. but also in a, in a B2B um, environment. 
um, so that it's also sort of yeah as we're growing further um, um, and getting more prof getting more professional that we need to educate as well as our clients as well as perhaps the the influencer and create more awareness and have also the courage for influencers to address this topic because at the end um, yeah who's responsible the influencer is actually the I would say executing the work so um, and they can also harm the brand if the if this will be in the in the news huh? uh, you don't want to be you don't want to be negative exactly, yeah. you don't want to be negative in the news by by something that is that you both might have overseen or the influencer wanted to address but didn't have the courage to to talk about this topic during negotiations in order to lose the contract perhaps I agree. I think it's, it's like you say, you should highlight the risks. There are risks. Um, and this yeah. is obviously, it isn't just that the, the regulators can take action. It is to the fact that the media will pick up on these stories of, of a brand's not complying. And if they feel that it's a deceptive practice, yeah. that's the perfect story. You know, a brand, potentially an influencer, somebody, you know, this is what the media like and they will go with these stories. And, and having worked at the UK regulator, the ASA, yeah. um, I'm fully aware of the tactics they they use, um, and they use the media rightly so because they don't impose fines, but they use the media because that can be devastating to a brand who values their reputation. Um, and certainly in the B two B space, um, the, you know that reputation is very very important. Um, so to, to you know it's it's very important to make sure the influencers you work with are complying as well as as yourself. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Like again, like you said, it's you can harm your reputation and especially in a B2B environment where the lead time, um, for example, if we talk about in our industry towards organizing a conference or getting a large conference towards your destination, the lead time is quite long. It's not something that is, mm. that is decided from from one day in, into another. So and then if you harm your reputation by um, working with an influencer is not compliant or or um or it's put in an in a very different perspective despite that the influencer might be might be a professional um yeah then then it could harm much more than it will than it will deliver can you give some it was a some was a good and perhaps some bad examples um that um that people understand i would say the impact that it has or the the, the value to put the compliance in, in your contract. Can you mention some, some examples? Sure. So certainly in my time at working for the Advertising Standards Authority, we saw against a tech company, um, a ruling caused a, a large drop in share price, actually, because the negativity from the ruling, and it was because of a deceptive practice. It wasn't influencer marketing, but um, it is a technique that they, the ASA will use now for influencer marketers, but it caused this particular tech company to drop, uh, for their share price to drop quite significantly because the media oh. picked up on um, the, the shop the shop practices, they called it, of their advertising. Um, and it's it rollercoasted and the ASA are very good at making sure that the right news outlets get hold of this story and can keep running it. Yeah. Nowadays, the regulators, if their breaches are online, if the, the rule breaking happens online, mm. they use online sanctions to tackle them. Um, yeah. And so against, uh, there was a large hotel group um, when I was working at the ASA, who were not complying with an ASA ruling, uh, refusing to comply. 
and the ASA they use their online sanctions to target the uh, hotel group by making sure that the by using SEO a search engine optimization mm -hmm. so that the advertising standards authority ruling was appearing before that hotel groups are listing mm. um, and in uh, search listings so um, not only was that the, the ruling was appearing a second listing by the advertising standards authority um, outlining the rule breaking was also appearing so they were hitting them quite, quite hard um, and it was frustrating the hotel group to the point where um, they made changes very quickly the instant this happened so um, you know there what it's it's a very effective sanction I think if, if a rule breaking is going online the this is not a, not just the ASA who do this. I know it happens across Europe. Um, the regulators will make sure that they use all of these tools um, to, to ensure compliance um, because yeah. the negative publicity that, that follows on from, from this, it's not just the fact that consumers will be hit with a message that says this hotel group are misleading consumers. You know, they're going to then have the knock-on effect of losing custom. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And trust. And trust. And trust. I mean, it's, yeah, the thing so that important. It's more and harming your reputation costs so much more because people will, I mean, people will remember much longer a negative, I would say, a negative impact than, than, than unfortunately, than a positive, uh, positive impact. I think, for example, the corona crisis will also be remembered very, very long and perhaps uh, um, something positive will, you will, well, say, more quickly. Um, forget so I therefore i think it's and the, the damage is not always measurable as well if you harm your reputation because uh, you cannot of course you can make an estimation of your impact of losing your 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 i say your loyal customers um so therefore it's very important to be aware um of these i would say of these rules and regulations um do you have any advice because um are the rules and um, um disclosure are they also changing now the in influencer marketing landscape i would say is getting more a bit more professional and more a bit more matured um so do i need to watch i would say watch regularly or um check the rules if i'm going to work with influencers on a regular basis or how how does it work because i'm not a compliance expert <laughs> far from <laughs> yeah yeah it's difficult because it's not a book um the yeah. guidance changes according to the um, rulings and for every jurisdiction you will have rulings every every week every month okay. um so the guidance will evolve and yes technically you should be on the ball every week checking to see what the rulings okay. are because even if, it, if the ruling doesn't say influencer marketing it might be as i said it might be something to do with your industry mm -hmm. or it might be the claims are relevant somebody is using a number one claim where your brand felt that they were number one okay. there are so many scenarios that could potentially affect your brand um that yes it is it's not a case of i do a course i've learned what i need to do it's done and over yeah. with um yeah. it's a matter of always knowing these rules are changing and evolving um okay. how to do it well you know there as i said at the start there are various sources um the committee of advertising practice here in the uk provide information mm -hmm. i do various youtube videos and i post them on linkedin um, so there are there are people like myself out there who try to to make these rules more palatable and yeah. easy to digest. And, and that's what I wanted them. to say. Yeah, a bit more <laughs> human language for everyone because I'm not native English. So to read those rules and regulations for others who might on the call, it's not always easy to to and to also clearly understand what does it mean for 
for yeah what does it mean for me and what does it mean for my my project uh evolving that's it yeah. I agree. I think that's that was the part of why I started my business to make to break it down and to make it easier for yeah. whichever industry you're in, but to understand what these rules are because they're yeah. so relevant, they're so important, and to be caught out is can be devastating. Yeah. So to be caught out just because you didn't understand the rule, it's it doesn't make sense. So let's you know make it easier for the industry to understand what they need to do, what their obligations are, and to help yeah. them to comply. Yeah, yeah, and just also you know the practical question because um, we work on a long term with with influencers. So if we sign a contract according to the rules that are at that moment applicable, but if B two B influencer marketing campaigns tend to be long, sometimes six months can be also for over a year. Um, what happens if those I would say those um, disclosure those rules will might change during during the length of the of the contract? Do you have any experience uh, um, with that? I do. I mean, we here in the UK we've had some changes in terms of what we accept, for example, for affiliate marketing and the mm -hmm. types of labels that are acceptable. Yeah. At the start of the year, it was probably last year acceptable to use the word affiliate. Mm -hmm. The ASA did some research and now they think that consumers don't understand this word. Um, so actually that should be highlighted as an ad or advertising instead. So there is the potential for there to be a key change. It's not hugely likely, but it could happen for, yeah. um, in, you know, in terms of the labels that are, you're advising uh, your influencers to use. Um, the regulatory authorities would probably have some sympathy, yeah. but uh, because, you know, this is initially what you said in your contract, but they would find it surprising if there has been no dialogue between yourself yeah, as a brand yeah. and the influencer <laughs> from the point of that contact. So okay. there is a level of responsibility where you would have been expected to say, yes, we signed the contract. This is what we said. We yeah. now know the regulations say X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Ideally, you should be able to, to make those changes and communicate them to an influencer. Um, yeah. But there would be a level of sympathy. It might be that, you know, in the UK, they, the way the rulings are set out, the brand gets a chance to respond if a complaint is yeah, made. And you could see that response in full, okay. um, which is an important part of a ruling, I think, to understand everybody's perspective. So you would be able to state that and you could provide your contract to the regulator okay. as evidence. Um, it may not necessarily mean that it's a no breach, but it would be a sort of a mitigating circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, I think, again, um, because we spoke about that topic previous, that influencers are humans, are professionals, so that you have also as a brand or as an agency, a very good relationship with your influencers to also address this topic and and that it's not just something that you a contract that you've signed from the start that it's also i would say a process um that it's ongoing and you, i'm not saying that you need to discuss of course every detail during a follow-up call but i think it's important that you also put this topic on the agenda as you as you work with influencers saying okay we are six months later um how um are we are we still are we still complying are we still um um, following the actual rules so I think it's also and for us as well for I mean for me as a founder so it's also interesting to know that I also need to put this topic uh, on the on the agenda and to say okay are we still are we still following the rules together with the influencer and of course also with, with the client not I mean in order because our aim is 
not to harm our clients, but of course to, to get the best out of it. So it's interesting that we also need to put more uh, and more often on the agenda also during during the progress and during the project and not only just at the, before we start, I would say. I agree. And actually, I think in America, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, have explicitly said that they expect um, brands to have a compliance strategy. Yeah. Um, so it's not a case of, OK, it's in the contract or we've talked briefly about it and then let it go. Yeah. There is a, a responsibility to keep that dialogue, dialogue up, to keep monitoring, to keep an eye on what's going on. So um, yeah. I think it's it's less now common sense and actually part of the rules that there should be some strategy to yeah. make sure you are complying. Yeah. And do you see um, do you see actually in I would say in, in your career now a growth towards B2B um, influencer marketing do you see a huge growth or do you see it more in the b2c environment absolutely uh, in b2b yeah. i from my personal experience my request for guidance on b2b has skyrocketed um i don't know if this is partly influenced possibly by lockdown and i'm not sure how that would be um but at least in the last three to four months there's okay. definitely been um a move towards I think there's a partly because there's so much flexibility in terms of who you might choose um, mm -hmm. for to be an influencer in a in the b2b space yeah. it's it's a different different way of choosing and a different type of dynamic um, yeah. but certainly I think brands who may have been more cautious in the past um, yeah. are putting a budget towards um, influencer marketing now yeah yeah well it actually makes sense because normally b2b uh, the b2b environment is usually exists a lot of trade show events uh, sales calls a lot of also personal contact and that is at this moment of course it's all fallen away so i also see that there's a i'm not saying there's a, um, a growing interest but i see that there is um yeah people are changing need to change their strategy and from what used to be going offline, we, you need to continue those conversations online. So it makes sense that uh, B2B influencer marketing is, is growing. And we, I'm, assuming, I'm happy with that, but, <laughs> and, I hope, um, and I hope that uh, people are on the call also, um, also agree with that. But, but it's, yeah, it's, so it's interesting from, from your point of view to see that there is, despite, I mean, despite the crisis that also, um, there is also, we say, there is also a good, uh, a good positive uh, outcome. Do you have any? I would say we are almost, I would say, uh, wrapping up, and I don't see many. I would say, I don't see many questions, which means we did. I mean, I assume we did a great job. So, do you have any? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> do you have any? I would say, do you have any questions or any remarks or suggestions as well for brands or um, brands or for influencers to say, okay, um, please be aware of that, or personal tips, or um, I would say or any links to word websites that you can suggest? I mean, just, I'm sure. always very practical. So if you have any practical tips and advice for the listeners, would be great. I think because it's still a, almost a fledgling industry in terms of finding the best way to do B2B, mm -hmm. I, would, I would say be very wary of the mistakes that the B2C market made very early on, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. were almost to look around and see what your competitor was doing and assume they're doing it correctly. Yeah. At the moment, you cannot make that assumption, not in B2B. Yeah. Uh, even the biggest brands are making mistakes in terms of disclosure. Um, so I think that would be my biggest tip. Um, 
it's it's not a case of seeing what everybody else is doing because we don't have that level playing field quite yet where everybody is complying perhaps in 10 years time um, <laughs> but for now i would seek exp expert advice on if you know if this is something you're keen to pursue and you don't know what the rules and regulations are uh, mm. seek expert guidance yeah yeah of course of course and preferably someone is who's i would say a person like you is doing this as a, as a daily as a daily job and not assuming that your competitor is doing it the, the right way like for like following the sheeps and following <laughs> the the others you know you always have well, to exactly yeah yeah we saw it very much in b2c uh, and it still happens um you know some of the biggest influences are still not doing it correctly and, and celebrities don't always and it has that effect on the you know the new or the, the fresher influences following them and it's not the right thing to do but um, you know, the education is there for B2C now. Let's hope B2B follows. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for having you, Rupa, and thank you so much for, um, um, I would say, for all your advice and tips, which were, um, which were very, I would say, very uh, valuable. Um, I just get um, from Claudio's following this uh, session, you're just saying, great session, you've spoken a lot about aspects most people normally don't think about. That's why you need a specialist. Indeed, that's, uh, that's, that's okay. correct. <laughs> so thank you very much, Claudia. Um, so next week we have another um, session at 3 p.m. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. So we do it until until the summer, until July. So we have still three upcoming editions. Also with Julia Solaris, who's my famous name in, in our industry. We have them on the 18th uh, of June. So please stay tuned. And thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to register for the upcoming session. So thank you very much and see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, Mariska. Thank you, Rupa. Mm -hmm.